Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, Restoration Church. How's it going today? Uh, For everybody in Plymouth and Milton and Bethlehem, glad to be together to to preach and share God's word today. We're finishing up this series titled Frame Off Restoration, and uh, I think it's been a good one. It's fun for me to take time and preach through some things that we've, in this series, we've been talking about things that, um, you know, that we've only kind of mentioned in passing, I haven't really preached about, so we've been in the book of Jude this week, and, and, uh, or, or this month, and the message that I've got today uh, is talking through a bunch of things that we've never talked through all together. So excited about that. I wanted to just share with you something that I think is amazing and cool, and I wanted to share it with you. Last year, in October, uh, every October now, it's kind of a tradition, we do something called Fair Food Sunday. So for those of you new to the church, um, this, is one of the, this is one of the confirmations from God that you're in the right place, all right? <laughs> and so what we do is, uh, after, after that Sunday morning, we all eat fair food, and, and it's all for free. And so Italian sausages and fried dough and cotton candy, and so it's just a big party after service. Well, last year, no surprise, it was one of the largest attended Sundays in, uh, in, in that year, all right? Because you're all inviting people, you're all like, um, uh, you're all like showing up <laughs> at the same time. And so it was one of our, our largest attended Sundays of last year. And this is what I think is mind blowing. So last Sunday was July 4th weekend. And uh, so that can mean like a bunch of you're traveling, you're camping, you know, you've got places you're, you're, that, you're, that you're going to. But last Sunday, on July 4th weekend, we had more people last Sunday than we did at Fair Food Sunday in October, which is just like, um, which is exciting, right? Exciting that, uh, that you guys were here, excited for all the rain, so you're like, I'm not going camping this year, I'm going to church. Uh, but that's been great. But not just that you all were here last week, but we just talked about water baptisms and those are coming up, and I've had a few conversations with people who, who are... Um, who are following Jesus now and ask me questions about water baptism. Well, this next water baptism, we think we, we're kind of right on the cusp of um, we'll have baptized more people already this year than uh, a couple years ago when we baptized the most people we ever had in an entire year. So I think I com- communicate that in a very confusing way. A couple of years ago, we set a record and not that it's a record, but we water baptized 66 people in that year. Uh, I think it was 2021. And, and that was the most we ever baptized in a year. And it was so awesome because of all the steps people are taking in their life to pursue Jesus. Well, in this next water baptism in July, we'll surpass that 66 number. And we still got another five months of the year to go. What is that? What is that? All those things. The attendance, the water baptisms, the... Kingdom builders giving, what are all those things showing us? God is moving. Those are all just outward signs that God's moving in people's hearts. He's moving in our church. He's moving in our services. And uh, that is 
exciting and special and a lot of fun. So those of you who are taking it serious, you're, you're investigating Jesus, you're following Jesus, you're, you're, um, you're taking these messages and applying them to your life, you're growing spiritually. Awesome. <laughs> it's so good. It's so amazing. I'm so glad to be a part of it. Well, this series, Frame Off Restoration, we're taking the symbolism of a car and the process it goes through in being rebuilt and being created uh, into something valuable again. I want to show you a picture of a rusted out car frame. And uh, there's a story that goes along with this picture. But this car is a, uh, it is a 1956 Mercury, and, and uh, it's, showing, it's showing its age, all right? So this is what I felt like at the last softball game. That's what I felt like, like, oh man, what am I doing? The retirement, it needs to come. But uh, anyway, that's enough personal stuff about me. But I just got a question for you, and it's a rhetorical question here, but how much would you pay for this? Because someone bought this. They found it, and they bought it off someone else because they wanted it. How much would you pay for this? Now, I understand some of you are like, well, I don't know how much it's worth. What kind of car is it? But really, think about how much would you pay out of your money for nothing? I mean, it's, it's this and another pile of parts. So would you pay $3,000? Would you pay $5,000? And so obviously you're seeing that there's some value in this. And I just wonder, would there be anyone willing to pay $25,000 for this? And it just seems like crazy. Who would ever spend $25,000 on this? Listen, let me tell you. If you bought this for $25,000, you got a deal. Because the guy who bought this paid $100,000 for this. For the, in this condition, he bought it for $100,000. <laughs> what? <laughs> it, I mean, we just contemplate that. Like, so a couple things about this car. If this was a concept car, so it's a one-off, it's the only one that exists, so it's a 1956 Mercury XM Turnpike Cruiser, all right? So for those of you who care. And the owner, he bought the car, he spent 6,000 hours restoring it, and this is now the picture, and I, I've got the picture of the guy who did the work in it. 6,000 hours restoring it, so now, it looks like this. So this guy is like a retired, I'm trying to remember, a retired electrician, a retired plumber. And so now in his retirement, he's been getting a name for doing some restoration projects like this. Go back to the picture of the frame for me. I just think no matter what your background is, no matter who you are when you come, when you're here at church today, when you think about Restoration Church, when we think about Jesus and the kingdom of God, this is the perfect picture of that. One of my favorite verses in scripture, while we were still sinners, Jesus died on the cross for us. While we were pieces of rusted junk, Jesus paid for us by his blood. 
And he doesn't just pay for us to lead us, leave us rotting in the lot like the previous owner of this did, but then flip to the next picture. Jesus, by his work on the cross, by his daily work in our life, by our pursuing him and following him, as we talked about last week, he does a restoration work in us. And the restoration work he does in us is not even just bringing us up to factory standards, but when Jesus restores, he restores above where we were. And if there's anything in your life that has ever been stolen from you, that the enemy has been active, he's stolen from you, listen, Jesus promises restoration and he restores to a greater place than the original. This is what we're talking through this series and what we're talking through today. Now, if you've spent months or years restoring a car, it gets to the place where the engine's running, the tires are on, it's been painted, and you're going to go for that first test drive. And when the car is running and everything's put together, there's still a lot of work to do after that. There's a, can be electrical problems, you know, you turn on the wipers, but the horn honks, like just some, some wires crossed, some things that still have to be buttoned up. You're driving it around and you're hearing rattles and, and you're hearing squeaks and noises that you've got to go trace and, and tighten some bolts and put some sound dampening in and, and to make this thing roadworthy. And then it gets to the place where it's not just roadworthy, but it's road trip worthy. Like I'll drive, I have no, no fear we're going to drive this thing across the country. And in, as we close out this series and you're looking at your walk with Jesus, you're looking and evaluating your spiritual life and, and your heart and your, your inner spiritual man, the, the thing that we're talking about today that I want you to think about is, is your spiritual life, is your walk with Jesus at a point where it's road trip worthy? Are there squeaks and rattles in your spiritual life that aren't sin, but really they're, they're annoying, all right? They're annoying, they're, they're bothersome, they're, but they're not sin, so maybe we just deal with it. You know, if you've, depending on how, I, I don't have a brand new car. Um, in fact, outside of my wife's car, the newest car I've ever owned in my life, personally, is a 2001 all right, so my wife has had newer cars than that because, because it's not fair to her. But for me personally, the newest car I've ever had is 2001. Now, some cars you take care of, some cars, they're a placeholder, all right? And you don't put in a ton of money. You're like, once the window stops working, you don't pay to repair it because like, it's not worth the money anymore. And uh, back, I remember being a teenager and, and ha having this minivan and the windows stopped going up and down. And so back in the olden days, you'd have to pay tolls with money. And I used to be so good at going through the toll booth here in, uh, on Route 16, where I would hold the steering wheel with one knee, I would hold the door open with the other knee and toss the money out the door into the change thing and keep on going. That's what makes me feel like I'm qualified to text and drive, I won't do it, but <laughs> the, uh, we, you know, and so there's things in our spiritual life, things in our character that because they're not sin, 
We don't ever think about them. We don't ever deal with them. We're just like, I've been following Jesus a long time. I, it, I am who I am. It just is part of me. Or we don't even evaluate, We don't even hear it anymore. So I want to talk about those things. Got your Bibles. Open up to Colossians chapter one. This will be our key verse for today. But we're going to roll through a ton of scripture. Today is almost like a lecture or a Bible study on, on, uh, on being a mature Christian. All right. So Colossians chapter 1, and we'll be in verses 28 and 29. If I remember right, because I didn't mark it in my notes, I'm going to read you scripture from the English Standard Version, so the ESV version. Normally, we preach out of the uh, NLT, continue to do that through most of the message today, but didn't want to lose a key word here in, in this translation. So Colossians chapter 1, look all the way down to verses 28 and 29. And let's begin to read this. Him we proclaim, Jesus we proclaim. So we're proclaiming Jesus to everyone, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So if you've ever heard of the saying, like a mature Christian, we're not talking about people who are older, because older people, does, that doesn't mean you're mature, all right? And I think we, we all are thinking about people in this room. I mean, I'm thinking about like 15 of you. I'm just kidding. Um, so he says, for this I, I, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So go back to verse number 28. Verse number 28. We may present everyone mature in Christ. So it's church leadership the way we, we teach, the way we preach, the way we urge, the things we challenge you to, the things we invite you in. We're trying to get you to grow in Jesus, to become more mature in Jesus, to be more mature spiritually. We're all on different processes in that. But today, again, I want to talk through nine characteristics of a mature Christian. And these aren't uh, these aren't necessarily sin issues, all right? But it's a maturity issue. It's a spiritual maturity issue. And these are the squeaks and the rattles that are active in your life that you could take some time tracing and tightening a few bolts and adding and fine-tuning a couple of spiritual disciplines that maybe you've lost or you've been, uh, that you've been slack over and to grow up that you may be mature in Christ. I said this um, quote from Peter Scazzaro a few weeks ago in the We Are Restoration series. Uh, he says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So these things are connected. They are connected. If you're someone who's always saying crude, inappropriate jokes, that does affect your spiritual life. They are connected. All right, so at, at some point when you grow past fart jokes, uh, you will grow, there'll be a little bit of a spiritual growth in your life as well. Now, a Christian is not just someone who goes to church, it's not just someone who's been baptized or reads the Bible. A Christian is a man or woman who's living in Christ. We can think of other scriptures, abide in me, uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. So it's a, an intertwining in our life. It's not just an outward religious life. We're not just a concept card. We have a spiritual engine that's moving us and driving us. So nine characteristics of a mature Christian. Number one, they're accepting of others. Accepting of others. 
And sometimes our motivation is to help others because it makes us look good. And so we see, someone, we see people as projects, we see people as opportunities, we don't see them as people who are far from Jesus, we don't see them as people that, uh, you, you know, we don't see past their current conditions or their current faults. And when people come into church, if you're, you know, a sign here of, of maturity in Christ, is, and, and we've seen this before, I probably talked about this before, but when people come into a church and you're like, you know, why are they here? They make me uncomfortable, or, um, you know, I think they're a bad influence, or I'm going to go to another church, but they don't have people like that there. Okay, that's pretty immature. Pretty, I mean, what are we? Is this the fifth grade cafeteria, the fifth grade lunchroom? When so mature, if a mature, maturity in Christ is saying, hey, Anybody's here. We want everybody to hear of Jesus. We want everybody to have the opportunity to hear of Jesus. And we're not excluding people from hearing that message, from investigating him, from even following him. Romans 15, 17 says, Therefore, accept others, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that you will be given, so that God will be given glory. Now, that doesn't mean that we uh, allow False teaching in the church doesn't mean that we compromise on our, our doctrine or compromise on our scripture. It doesn't mean that we uh, allow anybody to teach. It doesn't mean that we, uh, that we don't ever challenge people to change or confess or repent. And we don't call it sin. It doesn't mean any of those things. But we don't, we're not telling people, hey, you don't come back here until you dress different. Don't come back here. Uh, until you, uh, until you're wearing a better sports team hat or or whatever, like don't you know? It's, there's none of that that exists. Uh, second thing here, and th- this won't be fun to talk about, because I I don't know if I've ever heard people talk about this, but if you are mat- mature Christians, the characteristic of mature Christians is that they embrace change. People fear change for two reasons. One, or people resist change for two reasons. Number one is fear. So I'm, af- I'm afraid of what's going to happen if there's change, if I have to change, if the church changes, if the world changes. Second thing is control. I want to control things. I want the outcome. I want to remain in charge or whatever. And so they don't want to change. A spiritually mature Christian is able to hold everything with an open hand. Change the name of a church, change the name of a ministry, change who's in charge of ministry, change who's the pastor, change, and change in your life. It's just, we're not afraid of it, we're not confined by it, we're not controlled by it, and when it happens, we're not distraught by it. We, mature Christians, prepare for change, they adapt, they step into the fear, they leave the control thing to God. God's in charge. God deals with the outcome. God is sovereign. He, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. This is, a great, this is a great promise. This allows us to rest if we're someone who fears and struggles with change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This allows you to be anxious about nothing 
but through everything with prayer and petition, offer thanksgiving to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. When I know that Jesus never changes, well, then I can change. When I know that Jesus is in charge of everything, then I know I don't have to be in charge of everything. If you try to change a church full of immature Christians, it turns into fight club. And I have, you know, a couple of years ago, I was serving in a, a denominational role for our, for our denomination in the district. And I went to a board meeting at another church where they, in the meeting that I was at, and other district leaders were there, members of the church, one guy threatened to to punch the other guy while we were in the meeting in the church building. He was like, like so red and so angry over something so small and so stupid and not eternal. It was about decor, decorations, not about salvation or doctrine. There's this old church story, and I've heard it so many times, I think, I don't even know if it's true or not, but, but the principle's true, that uh, there, there was a, a pastor, and he was pastoring a church, and he wanted to move the piano from one side of the stage to the other, but he couldn't convince anybody in the church to allow him to move the piano. And listen, I've, I, th- that part's true, there are churches just like that, don't move the piano. How dare you move the piano? Pastor's getting fired because they moved the piano. Um, it, I, I'm telling you, it's, that is not a lie, all right? Or, or something similar to the piano. And the pastor leaves the church, comes back to visit a few years later, and he's surprised when he walks into the room, the piano's on the opposite side of the stage. So he says to the new pastor in a private conversation, how did you ever get them to agree to move the piano? And he says, I didn't. I just every day moved the piano an inch. And over the next year and a half, the piano was on the other side of the stage. Should we be so immature that we would fight or be angry about a piano and, and switch the piano to where, whatever you want that we, you know, that, uh, about whatever you want. I mean, there are too many examples to even go through. Third thing here, uh, mature Christians are able to give without expecting anything in return. Proverbs 19, 7, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. So we're not giving to get favors. We're not giving to buy influence. We're not giving to come back to someone later and say, hey, remember I gave you that? Now you've you, you know, there'd be some expectation, some expectation that you'd do this for me. And I've been on that side of it where someone was very generous to me as a college student, very generous for me. And then all of a sudden it came a few years later, it was their time to, to pay out the request. And they said, hey, I, I, need, I want you to come help me do this, move and come be a part of this. And I said, no, I said, I just really I, you know, the place I'm at, I love what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, and, and their response was, hey, listen, I've invested a lot over the years in you. And it was like, oh, wait a minute, he was not ever giving to me. He was buying me. 
and uh, certainly a sign of immaturity. It was a godly man, who was a good guy, but not mature. You think about this in the marriage dynamic, if you're, if you're a husband and you're, you're doing chores and you're helping around the house and you're like, I'm going to save all these things up so I can go away for the weekend with my buds. Well, that's not, this is kind of a, the same thing. No, we're giving, we're serving our spouse because of who we are, because of, a, because of what Jesus has done in me, not expecting anything in return. Number four, characteristic of a mature Christian, they resist immediate gratification. Psalm 1611, this is a principle for the mature Christian. You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and pleasures of living with you forever. Pleasures of living with you forever. There are pleasures in immediate gratification. But when we know Jesus, when we're following Jesus, when we've matured in Christ, we understand there's no greater pleasure than a lifelong relationship and an eternal relationship with him. So we're able to give up immediate gratification in order to experience this. Now I'm going to share a story that I didn't have permission to share, but Michelle and I, we just celebrated 16 years of marriage. All combined, because if you take the years, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 16 consecutive years, and we, um, a couple of days ago, and Michelle didn't know I had this conversation, but I was driving, all the kids in the car, and, and, and my kids were trying to teach me uh, some bad marriage advice. And so they were mad at their mom, and I, I don't want to give too much information, but they were mad about their mom about something, and they were trying to get me on their side. Dad, you need to, you need to, uh, this is not what they said, but essentially like, you need to kind of put mom in her place. Like you need to, you need to yell at her. You need to like talk back. You need to, you know, she can't just have a bad day. She can't be in a bad mood. Like you gotta stand up. Like you're the dad, you're the, and I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that actually guys. Like, and, and they're like, why wouldn't you do that? And I'm like, well, I wanna have a good marriage. I don't like, and so if I'm just yelling at her, I'm like, yeah. Like, that's not going to get me anywhere. Like, but you've got to be a good dad. And so you've got to, you know, you've got to stand up for us and whatever. And I'm like, no, being a good dad would be continuing to be married. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And I, and, I, and I said, and additionally, if Jesus is in my life, then I have the whole fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so no matter if she's, mom's in a good mood or a bad mood or if she's mad at you or mad at me or, or anything, and, and I want to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out in my life. So no matter what's given to me, then I'm going to respond with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And they were like, good point. <laughs> So this is, this is, again, right, part, I am going to resist the immediate gratification of just venting off what I want to say and how I want to say it. Number five, concern for new Christians, Romans 14, 13, so let's stop condemning each other. Instead, decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. 
This is something that we ignore, I, I think, too much. We're like, I'm okay to drink. I'm going to invite everybody to drink. Not thinking of someone's past and their lifestyle. And I know for, for um, do I get a nod to say this or not? I, I know for Michelle, so M- Michelle comes from, her, her dad was abusive, abusive al- alcoholic. And so um, she's never been drunk in her life. Neither have I. That was one of the things that said, oh, I'll marry this guy because he signed a covenant with the Assemblies of God. He'll never drink. And so I don't have to worry about him ever being an alcoholic, but it still happens. But anyway, but people, she's had Christians Friends saying, come on, just have a drink. It's not going to hurt you. You can have a drink. 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 And they're not thinking at all about someone's past or their life or their stand or their conviction. Watch this movie. Come to this party. Do this thing. Live with your boyfriend. Live with your girlfriend. And we're pushing people into sin rather than trying to help people grow in Christ. A sign of maturity is that you're able to let go of your rights and what you're able to do in order to help others. So a big sign of this would be, you know, the the covenant that I made with my denomination. I'll abstain from alcohol and tobacco and probably vaping. I I mean, they, they probably have updated it since I signed it because that didn't exist back then. Well, I'll abstain from these things. Now, can I drink alcohol and not get drunk? Probably, all right? Probably. Um, to, I don't even know where I'm going with this. But, but so what I'm saying is I'm giving up that right because I want to make sure and, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm helping other people who may... Who, who, who may have a past, who may have something to struggle with, they're not looking at how I'm living with alcohol and say, oh, the pastor does it, I can participate in it too and lead someone down a path of destruction. So all kinds of different things show up in that area, but that's one of them. Number six, I got my numbers here, so I don't want to make sure I say the wrong numbers. Number six, they can receive criticism. Proverbs 15, 31, 32, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Part of the beauty of being involved in a local church is when you go sideways, someone comes to you and said, hey, you're going sideways. Hey, that's sin. And you're able to say, show me from scripture. And when they show you, you come into repentance and you walk away from sin. That is the be- one of the beauties of being a part of a local church that very few people even try to get the benefit from. Oftentimes, we start to go sideways. And uh, um, hey, we start to go sideways and... Then when someone speaks to us about that, we then just leave the church. How dare they? How could they? Who gave them the right? And rather than seeing that we're concerned for each other's salvation and each other's souls, we instead ignore correction and discipline, which probably leads to the next one, number seven, mature Christians are unoffended and unoffendable. 
Um, what happens is, uh, and we can be offended by all kinds of things, but Proverbs 19.11 ESV says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. We've talked about this before, but Christians live an unoffended life, an unoffendable life. So if you walk in and someone was sitting in your seat, no problem. Connect this to marriage again. If I'm a Christian husband, this is, I'm not telling you this is easy, but I live unoffended with my wife and unoffendable by my wife. So how she says, how she acts, how she, whatever, I am working really, really hard not to, not to be offended by that. That doesn't mean we don't ever have conversations. That doesn't mean that I don't ever offend her and I have to repent or she offends me and she has to repent. But sometimes we're offended by the, the, the stupidest, stupidest things. And we've got to just say whether I, I'm not going to be offended by that anymore. I'm not going to be offended by that anymore. Next thing here, last two real quick. Um, the mature Christian knows that God loves them fully. It's this big thing here to learn. God will never love you any less than he does right now. Also to know this, God will never love you any more than he does right now. So the hard part is to realize that God loves you as much as he loves me. So he doesn't have a rating scale. He loves you as much as he loves me. He loves you as much when you were that, that rusted frame as when you were the restored car. There's nothing you can ever do to get God to love you more. There's nothing you could ever do to get God to love you less. Big, amazing thing here. And I know this is something I struggled with for a long time because as being a pastor of a church, it feels like, and the band can come up, it feels like for me at different times in my life, like I'm one of God's employees. I work for God, which is true. But sometimes I feel like God wants to fire me because maybe I'm not doing a good enough job or I'm not getting the results or New Hampshire is still the least church state. And, and so I think God, God is, on, God is uh, if he's doing a performance evaluation of me, he's giving me low ratings because I'm not getting him enough results. Well, that's not true. God loves you so much. Psalm 63, 3, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you, your unfailing love. Last thing here, number nine, they resolve conflicts healthily. They resolve conflicts healthily. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your circle, whether it's with another person in the church or another church or another location of Restoration Church, you resolve it in a healthy way. And this is hard, all right? But Matthew 18, starting at verse number 15, is the principle to this, the guideline to this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Sometimes people sin against us. Sometimes people say the wrong thing. Sometimes people act stupid. Sometimes people make mistakes. 
And the easy thing is to say, I, I have a grudge, I am leaving, I'm never going back. But maturity is able to say, hey, can we have a conversation? To lay out the conversation, allow the person to ask for forgiveness, allow them to have a conversation, allow the other person to communicate. And if they're receptive and they're listening and to forgive them, and to, again, and then move toward being unoffended and unoffendable. This is a big sign here. Listen, take characteristics, squeaks and rattles in your spiritual life that uh, just take some time. Take some time in, in studying. Take some time in, uh, in your devotional life. Buy some extra books to help you grow in certain areas that maybe your weekend, there's some squeaks and some rattles. Shore those things up. You, God's design for you, his sanctification process for you is to button up every little detail. No missing part. You know that guy who made that car? Shut up car for me again, if you don't mind. He's not keeping this for himself. He's doing this now as a retirement project. I don't know how old, is he 75 years old if I remember right? This car is going up for auction later this year. He's anticipating selling it for $1 million. Um, and he did another car that sold for like 600,000. So it's obviously a one, one car, there's only one in the world. Listen, you gotta recognize you're valuable. You're valuable. And the work that you let God do in you, it won't be easy, it won't look good. It, sometimes it's really, really hard. But God is making you like Jesus. He's crafting you into perfect, you're that one of a kind showpiece. You're his treasure, you're his prized possession, it says in the book of Peter. And so let him do the deep work within you. Jesus, we love you. We praise your name. You are good, great, and magnificent God. We just pray in all things, have your way in us. For those who don't know you, who've never considered the great work you want to do in their heart and life, I just pray they'll surrender their life to you. They'll ask you right now, Jesus, be my Savior, be my Restorer, be my God. And God, as they pray that prayer to you, you forgive all the sins of their past. You start the process of building them into your likeness, into the image of God you've created them to be. And God, one day, we'll see you face to face where we are fully restored into that perfect creation you've designed us to be. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? Can we sing for just a minute? Let God work in your heart, expose some squeaks and some rattles, and then we'll continue.